What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, everyone, to a big edition of BAMS Radio. Sorry we didn't come to you at the usual time, a little later in the week once again, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts. But this is a big one for Alabama, the biggest of the season, the biggest in a long time. This game has been circled, uh, you know, since last year, really for a couple of years when we knew they were going to come back on the schedule. But Kirby Smart bringing the Georgia Bulldogs into Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, for a battle of unbeatens, number two versus number three, number two Alabama versus number three Georgia. Kirby Smart trying to end the 21-game losing streak for former Nick Saban assistants. He's come very close. Uh, the two times he's gone head up with Nick Saban, one with a national championship, uh, you know, at stake. Of course, we all know that. Tua Tungo Valoa broke their hearts. Then with an SEC championship at stake the next year, Jalen Hurts returned the favor. So we'll see. But I'm Drew DeArmond here co-hosting with Thomas the Wizard Watts, who's producing for us, doing a great job as always. Uh, in the court city of Mobile. And, of course, we're joined by our third amigo, William Redfish Barger uh, from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide and a national champion in his own right. Uh, well, well, guys, great to be with you. This is going to be quite a game to break down. First, though, we got to talk about Ole Miss. You know, certainly Alabama, I thought they would be an offensive machine. And, William, you know, I know you've been following it a long time. I've never heard of an offense that was nearly perfect in a game. But out the most stunning stat that I read was Alabama gained 723 of a possible 764 yards. Pretty stunning, pretty hard to do. Mac Jones, nearly perfect, 28 of 32, 417 yards. Uh, just unbelievable. Uh, I, we'll talk about the defense in a second, but that offensive performance was as good as you're going to see. No, absolutely. And, and you know, the one of the things that uh, – you know, as I always do on Sunday, I love, you know, filtering through all the different websites and, and looking at stats and, and reactions, you know, from, from the previous day's games. And, you know, I wandered over to, oh, God, no, it, it was either ESPN or um, Sporting News, one of them, and, and they had a, um, you know, top ten Heisman candidate you know, updated list based on this previous weekend's games. And I was scrolling through and I saw Najee Harris and I saw Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. And I was like shocked to see, you know, Justin Fields who hadn't even played a game yet. And there's no Jalen Waddle. <laughs> and I was like, wow. well, you can strike that. You can strike this list from your, you know, uh, list of, of things that are relevant. Um, because I think all three of those guys, based on the first three games, should all be in contention for it. But, um, you know, as far as the offense production goes, um, it, it, it's really not a shock to me. And, and I think, you know, a, a story that isn't getting a lot of attention that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know about is, um, you know, A, the – and I think this is multifaceted on three different positions – a, you've got Najee Harris, who 
Um, I, I think looks like he's taking on a leadership role. It looks like the combination of, of Dr. You know, Raya and, and Baloo has made him faster. He's a little bit more decisive. He's become a, a multi-threat weapon in his own right. And then, of course, you know, you've got Jalen Waddell, who's, you know, picked up right where he left off last year. Um, if there's a better multifaceted wide receiver, kick return, punt returner in the nation, I haven't seen it. And then you go to Mac Jones. Um, I can remember, I guess it was two summers ago, um, you know, when Steve Sarkeesian, you know, first came on the scene back in Tuscaloosa. And he made the comment to a friend of mine that, you know, look, this guy could be really good one day. Um, if he could get past going into a shell when he makes a mistake physically, because, um, you know, intellectually, this is the best quarterback prospect I've seen on a blackboard. You know, and what that means is, you know, Steve Sarkeesian puts a defense up there, an offensive formation, and, you know, Mac Jones can go up there and diagnose it, you know, bam, bam, bam. Um, but, you know, that was back when Mac Jones still was in a, a situation where, you know, if he made a mistake, he kind of went into a shell. And I witnessed that firsthand in several scrimmages. Well, I think you saw those demons get exercised by Mac Jones in the second half of the Iron Bowl, um, you know, last November. And, you know, I mean, I think this guy is playing at a high level, putting up ridiculous stats. You know, from the stuff that I've seen, um, I, I'm kind of curious as to why all the sports writers are basically, you know, doing a mail-in ballot for Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman Trophy right now. And I'm like, eh, you know, based on some of the stuff that I've seen, um, I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football right now, but we'll, 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 we'll make a better argument about that after this Saturday versus Georgia. But – you know, any Heisman Trophy list that you see that doesn't include one Jalen Waddle, just mark it off your list. It's not valid. Well, I mean, I was checking out the stats, William, I'm, you know, because, I mean, that's just something I wanted to check and and see, you know. And, uh, and you'd be pretty stunned because we all know, and he's a talented player, uh, you know, how Ballyhoo George Pickens has been going into this year. And I was just looking at it. He's got eight catches for 87 yards in three games. And George Pickens? Yes, that's his stats. I'm serious. I just checked them. Kyrus Jackson has 300 yards receiving and is actually the leading receiver for this team. He's had a breakout year as the number two guy. He's rapidly becoming number one. I mean, he's averaging 100 yards per game. But when you compare them to Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle William already has 19 catches for 396 yards with an along of 87, three touchdowns. He is averaging 21 yards a catch. I mean, that's big time. He's had three straight 100-yard games. He, I mean, he's completely outproducing all the Georgia guys. Now they may talk about their scheme and the QB being limited. And Bennett, you know, he, he doesn't have the biggest arm. But I'm just telling you, George Pickens was – I even had a Georgia fan tell me this summer George Pickens was going to go for 200 yards against Alabama. And he may do it. 
but he hasn't come close so far. And I, he really didn't do a whole lot last week against Tennessee. So that's what's going to be interesting. And Devontae Smith has a team-high 27 catches for 316. He's only averaging about 12 yards per catch, but two touchdowns. And I heard a, an analyst today, Brandon Boykin, and I'm going to ask you about this, William. This is going to tie back into the offense. He's a former Georgia DB, so, you know, he's definitely uh, watched the dogs closely. He, he works for ESPN. He claimed today that Alabama will not be able to run the football on Georgia and that they will get manhandled in the trenches. Well, first of all, I think Alabama's O-line is a lot better than Tennessee's, even though Tennessee's has been getting a lot of pub. I think Alabama's is better. I think this Georgia D-line is, of course, going to be the best one that Alabama has seen. But I, I don't think Alabama's going to finish with negative one-yard rushing like Tennessee did. I think they're going to find a way to manufacture some rushing yards, whether it be with Najee, Jalen Waddle, even Devontae Smith on end of rounds. I, and then another thing he said is he couldn't wait for Georgia's corners, Eric Stokes, uh, and, of course, uh, the, uh, the uh, young man uh, – uh, the, uh, the other young man over on the other side, Tyson Campbell, he said that he, he mentioned Mechie and Waddle and left off Smith. And we all know what Devontae Smith does in big games. He always gets open. He always makes plays. So if they're overlooking Devontae Smith, I'm sure the coaches aren't, but they're going to, the, they're going to regret it. And I think this Alabama offense has got more weapons by far than anything Georgia has seen. And, I mean, again, they're, they're making it out to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain. And I think they're an elite defense, don't get me wrong. But football has changed to the point where I don't see them holding Alabama under 35 points. Um, you know, that was going to kind of be the watershed level for me, Drew, was, was 35. Um, and I also think that, you know, this Georgia offense is probably the – the best matchup so far through what will be four games um, for the uh, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but the the up and down Alabama defense. Um, I, I do think that the Alabama defense, whether you know it's Nick Saban or, or Pete Golding or uh, Charlie Strong or, or Mike Stoops calling it, whatever it turns out to be, I, I do think. Alabama matches up defensively better against this Georgia offense than any team that they've played so far this year. So, you know, I want to see how that works out. You know, I think that um, if, if Mac Jones can put up the same numbers, you know, if Najee Harris can put up the same numbers, if Jalen Waddle can put up the same numbers, you know, if Devonta Smith can put up the same numbers, um, you know, Saturday night, um, you, you might see four Alabama players in the top ten Heisman consideration because I think there might be four of them on that offense um, as that goes. But when, when you flip back over to the defensive side of the football, um, you know, th this isn't Lane Kiffin. This isn't uh, Hugh Freeze. You know, this isn't Gus Malzahn pulling the trigger over there on the Georgia offense. You know, they've got a good offensive line. I'll give them that. You know, you know they've got um, some good running backs. They might have one or two, you know, um, you know, good wide receivers. But I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in uh, 
you know, their quarterback being able to distribute the football to their playmakers. Um, you know, we might circle back around next Sunday, and I'm totally wrong. Yeah, no doubt, William. Uh, I, I, we'll see. I mean, I, I have – I think Alabama should be able to pressure him, uh, no doubt about it, uh, pressure uh, the young man Bennett. Uh, you know, that, and that's going to kind of lead in uh, to my next question to you, uh, and that is uh, with – uh, for Alabama, uh, you know, uh, for uh, offensively, uh, I know you've probably been studying Georgia some uh, and the Alabama's offensive line, but I, I mean, I, they've had a couple of, you know, uh, penalties as far as, uh, you know, dead ball stuff, you know, uh, false starts, things of that nature, uh, you know, that are pre-snap and mistakes. And, the, and Leatherwood had one holding penalty and then uh, two games ago in, the, in game two and then, and then yet uh, in last week he had the one miscommunication on a sack, but right after that he was dominant the rest of the game. I think this Alabama O line can hold up against Georgia's front. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know the the thing that I'm looking for. I'm not worried about um, you know Alabama's O line versus Georgia's D line. What I'm looking for is to see you know, all the people that are still kind of waiting in the bushes to see if Mac Jones can perform, um, you know, in, in, you know, versus a, a top defense. Well, hell, he did that last year versus Auburn and Michigan. So mm-hmm. you, you factor in the improved Alabama O-line, um, you know, the, the Jalen Waddle factor, the, the Najee Harris factor, the Devonta Smith factor, and throw in Mechie there as well. Um, to me, I, I think this the, the biggest matchup in this game, based on what we saw Saturday night, is you know Nick Saban and Pete Golding on the defensive side of the football. I, I think you'll, I think Alabama will get their points on offense. You know whether it's you know thirty five or forty two. I'm still on the fence on that. But to me. And I, I personally think what you'll see is they will perform a lot better versus, versus a Kirby Smart, you know, produced offense versus what you saw Saturday night versus Ole Miss because here, here's what you're looking at. Um, I can remember a offensive coordinator coaching search in uh, – right around 2007 between 2009 and the report that was given back to me was, Hey, if you want your quarterbacks to be developed, you hire Steve Sarkeesian. If you want to hire the best play caller in college football, despite all of his baggage, you hire Lane Kiffin. Right. And, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that Saturday night, you know, Lane's good at what he does. Mm Mm-hmm. He really is. He's good when he stays focused. And talk about that, William. That's a good segue. Talk about what we saw from Alabama defensively. It's certainly not what I expected. I thought they would be more disruptive. I thought they'd be able to pressure Matt Corral, get him on the ground, force a couple of turnovers. And I thought, you know, they would uh, be uh, uh, able to get some stops, you know, get off the field on third down. Uh, And I figured Ole Miss would move the ball and score some points. But I still thought it would be – along the lines of Texas A&M where Alabama would win comfortably because 
I thought they had played pretty solidly defensively the first couple games. But it seemed like uh, Lane Kiffin had Alabama's number all night. And luckily, the Alabama offense was just too good. And they did make Lane uh, finally flinch when he decided to kick a field goal after a fumble mishap. But uh, just talk about the struggles we, we saw from Alabama and the and that they're last in the country in third in a third down defense. They can't get off field. Only three of 34 drives. It's pretty uh, it's pretty stunning. But just talk about what we saw on Saturday night. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, I, you know this goes back to you know Coach Saban. Um, you know, w- with my limited you know football background, you know, one of the things that I heard. 25, 30 years ago that came from Mickey Andrews. You know, if you're more talented athletically, especially in the front seven, um, you know, what you do on the back end of the defense is play cover too. And, you know, what that allows you to do is to keep everything in front of you. And th- that was, you know, the, the thing that struck me the most was something that, that takes – zero athletic ability. And I think it shines a spotlight on both Pete Golding and Nick Saban is the tackling that took place or the lack thereof. It takes zero athletic ability. You don't have to have five-star recruits playing defense to make an effective tackle. That's all effort and coaching, you know, the, the coaching comes into the, the, the standpoint of teaching that guy that's in front of that player in space that, you know, you teach them the proper technique to make that tackle. Once that coach removes himself from that, you know, mobility that's taking place, it's all about effort. You know, a walk-on can go out there and, and make a solid tackle. Um but, but but what I saw was miscommunication, um, mm-hmm. lack of effort, you know, l- lack of a, a, a game plan there on that standpoint. But it, it looked to me, Drew, just like what we saw last year. It, it was miscommunications, um, which I think we all thought would be improved with having Dylan Moses back out there. And, you know, in my opinion, Dylan Moses has been exposed more than any player on that Alabama defense. Um, if I was an opposing offensive coordinator, I would light his ass up with four or five wheel routes every damn Saturday. And I think he'd probably fall for three of them. Um, that being said, um, I, I do think this is a much better matchup versus Georgia than it was versus Ole Miss. But when you circle back around and you point the spotlight at Nick Saban, my biggest concern is, hey, you've been running the same scheme since 2007. And don't get me wrong. I'm not bitching. I, I'm really not. But you've been running the same damn, you know, steel curtain, three, four, antiquated, you know, defensive scheme since 2007, since you've been back at Alabama. And you've had four different defensive coordinators that have had their asses lit up by Ole Miss. You know, whether it was Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the buck starts and stops 
um, everybody's pointing the finger at Pete Golding, and I'm not saying that the the blame doesn't need to be focused on Pete Golding, but you know Jeremy Pruitt struggled, Kirby Smart struggled, Tosh Lapoy struggled, now Pete Golding struggled. <clears throat> um, it, it's time to filter that playbook down and give the kids a chance to make plays at a, at full speed and, and realize that what you're doing is not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Before I bring Thomas Watts in, it harkens back to the only one that really simplified things was Jeremy Pruitt in 2016 and 17, and that defense gave up some points to Ole Miss and some t- and other teams, uh, but and some yards. But they were William. The thing that they were was very disruptive. They were very aggressive. And I looked back at an old box score with the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, in 2016. Alabama won in Fayetteville, 48 to 30. Austin Allen, you know, passed the 400 yards, but Alabama stopped the run, made them one-dimensional. Seven sacks, ten tackles for loss, and they scored on defense. And, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that the first two weeks against uh, uh, Missouri, uh, certainly, and Texas A&M, but we didn't see it last week against Ole Miss. And so they're going to have to get back to being aggressive, and I agree with you. I think it's paralysis by analysis. They've got to simplify the scheme, and I thought we heard some of that from Nick Saban on Monday. We'll see if they follow through with it, though. But I wanted to bring Thomas on to talk a little bit about it. Well, so talking about it's Nick Saban has in talking about Nick Saban's scheme, excuse me. Nick Saban has always had this attitude where we want to be in the perfect defensive formation to counter your offensive formation. And you check, we check. You check, we check. Well, what that's done is shrunk the amount of time that the Alabama defense has to respond in a speedball situation. And if formationally they do something weird, and when I say weird, the wheel route's a perfect example of it. It's very, very random for a running back to essentially be running down the sidelines if they're in the backfield. That's not... I mean, yeah, it's one of the common routes, but it's not something that's built into a ton of offensive plays for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which being that's a long-developing play unless you completely blow the coverage. So if I were to, you know, if I reached in and changed the Alabama defense, the simplify point has been said ad nauseum. And really, it's not, it's this defensive scheme is not going to work without serious rule changes to limit offensive football. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Because right now in college, elite offense beats elite defense every single time. You know, everybody is bowing down at the altar of Kirby Smart and his elite Georgia defense. I challenge any fan to sit down. You got a few days, you want to watch some old tape. Watch what that LSU Tiger team last year did against that vaunted Georgia defense. Just go watch. Just go watch. I won't tell you. I'm not going to spoil it. Just go watch. Now, (laughs) I'm not saying that Alabama's offense is LSU's offense over an entire season. But I can say 
that the Alabama offense through three games is in the same statistical realm as that LSU offense was last year. Still a lot to prove, still a long way to go. But Alabama's scheme is inordinately complex, and unfortunately, Dylan Moses is – the light hasn't come on as a Mike linebacker. He's a fantastic will linebacker. It hasn't come on as a Mike linebacker, and he is part of the central problem of this Nick Saban defense. It's that the middle of the defense, DJ Dale at nose, has really struggled the past couple of weeks. Dylan, yeah. Dylan Moses Dylan Moses might be the worst defender on the field. He's that bad at the, at the key yep. position for Nick Saban. Like, there is an argument to be made that he is that bad. Uh, the Sa- Daniel Wright has moments of brilliance and moments of bonehead. And then Battle got ejected for targeting, so he's going to be coming in behind the eight ball in the second half. So you're going to have Helms, and Helms has not been I – mean, Helms is not the main guy for a reason. So as Alabama's defense continues to struggle, particularly in the middle, that's the only thing that gives me pause. Now, having said that, again, let's play it forward into Georgia. And this is why, you know, if you've been around me over the past 72 hours, I've been standing on the table slamming my fist into it over and over, screaming that you can't necessarily take what happened in Oxford and directly apply it to what's, ha- what's going to happen in Tuscaloosa against Georgia. Georgia doesn't want to go east and west and force you to react. Georgia wants to punch you in the mouth. And they're pretty good at punching you in the mouth. But if you ever, ever thought of a defensive scheme that can take punches in the mouth and come back swinging, it is this Nick Saban scheme. So there are two things can be true at the same time when we're talking about this Alabama defense. There are some schematic problems with speedball teams that can force you to play in space. That is true with Nick Saban's scheme. It's also true of most defenses. It is also true that the Georgia half-implemented spread principle thing that's actually a pro-style offense because they didn't have time and they don't have the personnel to do what LSU and Alabama has done over the past couple of years, that defense, the Alabama defense is built to stop that kind of thing. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, Look at past defenses. Go watch the Alabama defense against LSU in that Leonard Fournette game where Derrick Henry won the Heisman Trophy. That Al- this Alabama defense can do similar things to that kind of offense. And here's the other thing. And, Drew, I know I'm, I'm going. I'm taking a long segment, so please bear with my soliloquy. No, keep going. So with you look at who Alabama has played offensively. And, you know – before Alabama's defense decided to lose the entirety of its head against Ole Miss, Texas A&M beat a pretty highly ranked Florida team. Now, I thought Florida was a little overrated, but they beat a good Florida team, and they did it with offense. Now, call me crazy, the week before, as we said on this show, Alabama held Texas A&M to 17 points. Now, twenty-four, they got 24 because of a, a pick-six short field, but anyway... Held them to, we'll give them 24. Make it easy. Now, Texas A&M moved the ball up and down the field, but they didn't move the ball running. And I will kick this back to you, Drew, with this statement, and you can sign it in my blood. If Alabama comes out 
and stops Georgia's running game, it will be a cold day in hell before a 5'11 noodle-armed walk-on walks into Bryant-Denny Stadium and beats a Nick Saban football team. Well, and I'll say this. When you look at Georgia's rushing stats, and I'm going to get this opinion from William, you know, Zamir White's had a nice start so far, but he's definitely not Najee Harris. He's only averaging 3.9 yards per rush with four TDs. Overall, on 137 rushing attempts, and this is against Arkansas, Auburn, uh, and Tennessee, they're only averaging 3.8 yards per rush. Okay? They're not, they haven't run the football all that well. And Stetson Bennett's thrown for 700 yards. Mac Jones is at 1,100. And, uh, and Najee Harris is nearly at nearly 350 yards rushing. Alabama's been much more productive, you know, uh, offensively than Georgia has, William. No, I agree with that. And I think you're going to see um, versus Georgia Saturday night that, that the Alabama defense is, is better equipped to play in that Georgia defense versus they were um, Ole Miss, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um you know, it's – look, we can sit here and talk about this ad nauseum, but at the end of the day, let's go back through it. It's Jeremy Pruitt, it's Kevin Steele, it's Kirby Smart, it's Tosh Lapoy, uh, it's uh, Pete Golding. I mean, how, how many more defensive coordinators do you need to see that this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're going to get hosed by lesser teams that that don't have the same talent level. That's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. But uh, I know that right now, um, with Alabama, in my opinion, if they can stop the run, which they did against Missouri – And Missouri, of course, was very productive against LSU, who's struggling mightily on defense. Uh, They also stopped the run pretty well, uh, you know, against uh, Texas A&M. If they can limit Georgia to around 120 rushing yards, I think that that Alabama can win this game. Now, I've made this statement, if Georgia controls the clock, because I think that's really what they want to do. If they rush for 200 yards and Alabama can't stop the run, I think they get the win. But if Alabama can limit the running game and, and, and heat Stetson Bennett up, because Stetson Bennett only uh, you know, completed five of 11 passes against the Blitz against Tennessee, if they can hit him, if they can rattle him, if they can you know, feel and make him feel the Bama defense, then I think Alabama, they're going to give up some points, they're going to give up some yards, but I think they can win the game. I think you know, and, and the key is going to be, once again, third down, getting off the field better than they have been, and I think they're also going to have to do a better job, uh, you know, uh, of uh, of tackling. They've got to tackle. They can't give up big plays. They can't let George Pickens have his game of the season, you know. But I think Sertain and Job, uh, they they weren't really challenged by Ole Miss. It'll be interesting to see how much Kyrus Jackson uh, and Pickens challenge them. I think they will. And so I'm going to be interested to see, you know, uh, how, how Sertain. And Joe held up against those two receivers. Both of them are talented, but I think Alabama could still control the game if Job and Sertain hold up well in coverage. And then I think Will Anderson and some of these pass rushers, I know they didn't play well 
this past Saturday night. But they had an opportunity to get a six or seven sacks. They only got a couple. But they're going to have some more opportunities against Georgia. And if they can make those plays, they can win the game. It's going to be kind of a pride thing with this defense to step it up. You know, I think it's they need 11 guys doing their job. It's going to hurt not having Jordan Battle. And I wanted to bring Thomas Watts back in on that. Thomas, what is your thoughts on losing Jordan Battle for the half with Daniel Wright kind of being a guy that got benched? He was playing hero balls, trying to freelance a little bit. And then DeMarco Hellams, who struggled when he came in for him. And then you've got uh, other young players like an Eddie Smith. We hadn't seen too much of him or Brian Branch. What are your thoughts on losing Battle? The problem is losing him, I think by grades, he is the best player in the air quotes middle of the defense. You know, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, and the two safeties, the middle four. So it's making a tough position group even weaker. Do I think that it's going to be cataclysmic? I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, we're looking at a situation where, as has been said, Alabama is going to give up points. They're going to give up some yards. But what we really need to talk about when we're talking about this game in particular is, is the middle of the Alabama defense good enough to at least slow Georgia down or get Georgia into positions that Stetson Bennett doesn't want to be in? Because Bennett hasn't had to deal with a lot of pressure. When he's gotten pressured, he hasn't been very good. So it's going to be less to me about getting the middle of the defense shored up versus the rest of the defense kind of buttressing that. Because if Georgia's one of those offenses that if you get it into third and 12 and you can let the guys on the Alabama defense tee off, because – to Pete Golding's credit, he definitely, against Missouri, was willing to send five and six guys on third and long. Now, sometimes it bit him, but sometimes it resulted in a tackle for loss or a sack. Georgia's going to struggle in that scenario. And if you want to, again, sort of polish the, the old Miss turd, and I hate to use that, Alabama did get Ole Miss in some really funky long third-down situations. And, you know, again – I'm not saying there's a lot good to pull out of Ole Miss, but there are some things to look at. But, yeah, the, the safety problem, Drew, is that it, it's not just without battle for a half. It's that it exacerbates the weakest part of the defense thus far through three games. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's been weak up the middle. There's no doubt about it. It's going to have to be better, and I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see what Alabama – how they adjust – uh, and, and, you know, what they do going forward with that and who they put in the lineup to try to combat it. I mean, certainly I think the Tide uh, can, can manage it because uh, Battle has been good, but he's had his issues as well. Uh, but he's probably still the most talented player back there and the most experienced, which is a little bit bothersome. But, again, it's going to be up to Charles Kelly to kind of lead these guys. And that's why I think you're going to see Alabama simplify this defense and hopefully, and again, like William has said, and William, I'm bringing you back in here, this is not going to be reinventing the wheel. I, I think Todd Monken will, will give him some wrinkles. He'll probably involve McIntosh and Zamir White in the, back, in the uh, passing game because Alabama struggled with the backs and then graduate transfer tied in Trey McKitty from Oregon. Uh, but I still think 
that you know it's it's something it's stuff that Alabama should have seen over the first three weeks of the season, and you know I know they're going to prepare for it, and I know that Dylan has struggled in coverage, and so has Christian Harris. But after a while, you know you have to you have to figure out a way to stop this kind of stuff, and uh, that's what I'm going to be interested to see if Alabama just allows guys to play fast, play hard, and they and again run to the football, be physical, and then if they can finally you know stop. Because I think Georgia's going to attack the middle of the field. Pretty much everybody has. Well, you know, I agree with what you're saying, Drew. But at the same time, um, it's it's time for, I think, the spotlight to be put on Coach Nick Saban um, with, with the uh, defense and the offense. He's done a great job with evolving on offense, but on the same time, on the defensive side of the football, no. No doubt. Uh, no doubt, William. Well, William, uh, I, 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 what, do you, what, do, what is your prediction for the game? Um, 35 to 24. You still like Alabama by 11? Yes. Okay. 35 to 24. And uh, so we that, that's an interesting pick. I'm almost of the same uh, opinion. It's 35 to 27 is what I've got. I think Alabama's going to find a way to score, uh, you know, uh, five touchdowns, even against that elite defense, because I, I agree with Thomas, because LSU shredded them last year. And I know they're a little bit better, but I still think uh, that Alabama, as far as Georgia this year defensively, but I still think Alabama can have success. But, William, we appreciate the time. We always enjoy your thoughts, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, buddy. That was a good, that was a good segment, Drew. I think there's a little more meat on this bone that I want to talk about involving uh, how some of the issues with, with the Alabama defense. And the thing we haven't really talked about has been the underperformance at the nose tackle position. Mm-hmm. Good and point. And and so I think fans need to understand part of the schematic problem is that the nose guard has to hold up. He has to effectively eat up two blocks. If he eats up two blocks, he frees up generally the Mike linebacker or the Will linebacker, depending on how the defense is drawn up, to clean to read a running play and clean it up. The worst thing that can happen is the nose guard gets single blocked and that lets an offensive guard climb to the second level. And Dylan Moses has a ton of athleticism. He has more athleticism in his little finger than I have in my entire body. But he is not going to take on a 300-pound guard and come out the other end smelling rosy, if you know what I mean. Right. And... That's been one of sort of the under one of the underlying things. DJ Dale really, really struggled last week. I didn't think he was terrible against Texas A&M, and the rushing stats bear that out. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about a player on Alabama's football team, you know we've talked about the safeties, but if you want to talk about a player on this football team that has to get back to that that level. And I don't know if he can, but get back to the level that William has mentioned a couple of times where he was just a monster in the middle as a true freshman. 
if there's a game for it, this is when the Alabama defense need it. Don't needs it, don't you think? Yeah, and I, and it's interesting. They haven't played this Mel Sopsher or Tim Smith yet at all, who are both those guys who could play there. I just wonder if he struggles, if we might see Fedarian Mathis and, and Byron Young, too. And I don't really mean on the nose. I just mean if Alabama goes with more of a four-man front look. Uh, because I, we saw Byron Young and Fedarian Mathis do that some against Texas A&M, and I thought they were disruptive. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a couple of those guys and then walked up a guy like Will Anderson as the, kind of the, as the fourth DL. Uh, and, of course, we know Justin Aboigby would be in there as well and Christian Barmore. But I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Georgia a look kind of like that where they're trying to disrupt the running game. No question about it. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I thought Alabama's run defense was pretty stout the first two games, but it was putrid. And, and again, the thing that bothered me is Lane Kiffin didn't reinvent the wheel. They just went fast. Alabama's seen this, uh, you know, uh, this fastball stuff, as Nick Saban likes to call it, for almost a decade. But Alabama just didn't compete as well as they should have. They didn't get off blocks. They didn't tackle. They didn't know how to line up. But that's on the coaches, and that's what they've got to fix this week, Thomas, no doubt about it. But I think the run defense is what's going to tell the tale and for Alabama in this game if they're going to give themselves a chance to win. Because I think if they can stop the run and make Stetson Bennett have to throw, he's going to turn the ball over two or three times. And I think Alabama, with, if you turn it over to this offense, they're going to score, Thomas. They're too good. I don't give a damn about the steel curtain of, of the black and red because Alabama will move the ball. I know they've got Jalen Carter you know, in the middle. Uh, who's a very talented 18-year-old. He's he's reminding some people of Deron Payne uh, just from, uh, you know, the way he's 18 and, can, and has a, kind of a dominated some, uh, like Trey Smith, he, he did a good job against him last year, uh, or excuse me, last week, pardon me. Uh, but certainly you've got him, you've got Jordan Davis, a couple of big dudes up front. But I think it's going to be a huge challenge to Alabama's O-line. Is Evan Neal a legit first-rounder, first-round pick in the future? And, of course, uh, you know, uh, Alex Leatherwood. They're going to have to do that. And then Landon Dickerson, look, man, I'm sure he's licking his lips because he's a physical guy. He doesn't need to, you know, play with too much emotion and get penalties, but I'm sure he's looking forward to, to uh, the challenge of those guys that are supposedly unblockable for Georgia. And same way with the Emil Echior, I think Emil has played pretty good football. And then Deontay Brown, you know what I think of Deontay? He's in the best shape of his career. He's been able to move anyone, so I'm going to be really interested to see what they do against that front. And then against a guy like Monty Rice, who's leading the dogs in tackles. He should be at Alabama. He's from James Clemens High School. He's the National Defensive Player of the Week. Got that strip sack touchdown against Tennessee. Played at a very high level. They're going to have to you know, get, get some uh, hat on hats, get some movement, and be able to get him blocked because he doesn't need to be coming free all night. You're absolutely right. And that's going to be – Alabama will have to look at combo blocks to get something like that. And I, I will say that I don't expect if, – if Alabama wins, call it 60% on the offensive line, 60% of the plays on the offensive line, I think, I'll, I think you have to take that as very, very good. Just because this Georgia group is a very – I mean, they're just solid. They're, they're, they're a good team. Now – Again, they play with – and they do play with a lot of discipline. But something that jumps out to me, 
you look at the three teams Georgia's played. Arkansas, I, I think all credit in the world to Sam Pittman. He's got those guys believing and playing like they believe, but they are not that talented. I mean, the brain drain in Arkansas is just wild. Auburn's a dumpster fire. Um, that That's just – they're at their – their first year where they have no offensive line and they really don't have a defensive line to speak of. And then Tennessee was kind of going toe-to-toe for at least a half. There there was that weird play to open the game that kind of shook up the Georgia plan for a little while. But Tennessee was able to get stuff over the top. And that's one of the things that I think Georgia's been able to create a lot of havoc with that defensive line that we're talking about. And if you shift over to the passing side of life, Drew, here's where I think it gets really interesting because I don't think the Georgia secondary will be able to check the three, the top three wide receivers and potentially Najee Harris as an outlet route, as an out, you know, as, as a pressure, as a release, uh, a free release or whatever, excuse me. Uh, I just don't see it. So, you know, for all of Georgia's elite discipline on defense, if the Alabama offensive line can win 60 or 65% of the snaps where they give Mac Jones a clean pocket or they create a crease for Najee Harris, the Alabama's the Alabama offensive balance is going to pay dividends here. And that's just – it's hard to project this Georgia defense against this Alabama offense because Georgia simply hasn't seen anything with even – a third of the talent that Alabama is bringing to bear. I mean, we really are talking about an offense that Najee Harris is going to be at worst a second day pick. Waddle will be a top five pick. Smith might have been a top twenty five pick this year, and he might he's going he's still going on being the lead guy. And then you've got all those offensive line guys that are, you know, they have the build at least of early round picks. Georgia hasn't seen that this year. So I think that's a key factor. And if Alabama can stay balanced and keep doing what they're doing, they'll have a ton of success. I do want to go back one more time. And I I don't mean to pump sunshine, but I'm going to pump sunshine, Drew, so please bear with me. There are some intangibles with this game. Firstly, going back to Oxford, the the game against Ole Miss, that was a classic trap game. A top 10 Texas A&M team that we set on this program was probably Alabama's toughest challenge just because of who they had coming back. Then an Ole Miss team that isn't very talented, but Lane Kiffin, I think, has got that ship righted, at least on offense. They were able to put up points. Okay, cool. That happens. It's going to be frustrating. Then leading into Georgia. I don't think a player will ever admit it, and I know it drives Nick Saban crazy, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was some look ahead. Couple that with the fact they were playing in a mud pit because of the storm. And you have some some reasons for for kind of, I don't want to say excitement, but let's not blow the whole thing up because it's bad. So for me, when I look at this, and this is my question to you. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, excuse me. Every time Alabama, particularly on the defense, has gotten their faces kind of smashed into their own mess, They've responded in an extraordinarily positive way. They've come out and they've executed at a high level that next week. So with all of that being said on the Alabama side, and we know about the Georgia side, you know, Kirby Smart, blah, 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 trying to take over as kings of the SEC, whatever. Where do you see the intangible advantage between these two teams as they come in? 
Well, I mean, certainly Georgia's going to be very hungry. I mean, they, 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 they're still feeling those two losses in 2017 and 2018. They feel like they should have won both games. They saw the Ole Miss game, so I think they're going to be – they're going to smell blood in the water. But at the same time, I think this Alabama defense should be wanting to, uh, you know, atone for how they played and live up to the standard that Nick Saban wants them to. And I'm sure Coach Saban was uh, bothered by how they played. And I, there's no love lost uh, about the, this game, Thomas, intangibly. This is not – there. With LSU, there's dislike but mutual respect. I'm just telling you right now, between these two teams, it's hatred. They hate each other. Even though a lot of them, uh, Glenn Schumann worked at Alabama for Nick Saban, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, several staff members uh, that Kirby has brought in have worked, uh, you know, for Coach Saban. There's no, there's no denying that. Uh, you know, Dan Lanning, the co-DC as well. A lot of these guys he took with him from Georgia. Uh, Scott Cochran, we know that. But I just think between the head coaches, it's hatred. I mean, now now Kirby Smart, he's a mealy-mouthed maggot. Let's not get it, it twisted. He should be more respectful of Nick Saban because he owes his career to Nick Saban, okay? But Lane Kiffin, as much as I, I he, he gets under my skin sometimes, I thought he showed Coach Saban a lot of respect during the week and then after the game. Certainly he played mind games, but that's coaching. Uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, most of the guys, Steve Sarkeesian left and came back. We've seen Jeremy Pruitt leave and come back. All of them have paid a lot of respect to Coach Nick Saban. The only one that's been a piece of trash has been Kirby Smart because I guess he, he thinks he can replace Coach Saban as the guy in college football. I, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's a good enough football coach uh, to do so. I don't think that he's a championship-caliber football coach. I think he overcoaches, and I think we're going to see that again in this game. But it's going to come down to this. In Alabama's tackles, Alex Leatherwood and Evan Neal, can they block Aziz Ojolare, and can they block Adam Anderson? They're both good pass rushers. They're going to be coming off the edge. Can Alabama get them blocked? Tennessee struggled with that, but can Alabama? And then can that interior – Deontay Brown played a lot of football. Landon Dickerson played a lot of football. Emil Echior, probably the most inexperienced but talented. Can they handle uh, the Jalen Carters of the world, uh, you know, and, you know, and, and, handle, the, and handle that front uh, from Georgia? Uh, and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, that's, what, that's my question. Can they handle those two big guys, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter in the middle, to give Alabama a chance to run the football? Because if you can't block the guys in the middle and they disrupt, then you're not going to be able to run the football. But I also expect Steve Sarkeesian, who I think is, you know, a guy that does a great job of, you know, developing quarterbacks and, and, and distributing the football. I think he's going to give them some different looks. I think they're going to get Jalen Waddle involved potentially in the running game. Also, Devontae Smith on the perimeter. Because they're going to be keying on Najee Harris. And then you brought up a point about Najee as a wide receiver – and really a, a large, almost like a, a jumbo H-back, he's a guy that can really hurt you in, in matchups with his athleticism and his hands. He may not be a burner, but he's huge, and he can he, – he, he can. I've seen him make plays with guys on him. He makes difficult catches. You saw the run he made on the sideline against uh, Ole Miss 
where he hurled a guy, and then you saw him catch a football and then do a somersault almost and stay on his feet. He's an underrated athlete, and I think Alabama can hurt old, uh, excuse me, uh, Georgia the way they did Ole Miss in the passing game that way. So to me, it's going to come down to can Alabama block Georgia? And on the other side, Georgia's going to challenge Alabama's manhood. You talked about D.J. Dale, whether it's D.J. Dale, whether it's Fedarian Mathis, even sliding Barmore inside. You've got to be able to get off blocks and, you know, and stop the run. You've got to stop Zeus White, and you've got to stop uh, McIntosh. If Alabama can stop the run, it's going to make everything much more difficult on Stetson Bennett, who is a good player but a little, but a little limited physically. And when you look at Georgia's offensive stats, you know, they're, they're not nearly as impressive as Alabama's. And I think, you know, it, 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 what, it, what it's telling you is they're playing to their defense. And so, and then, this, we haven't even talked about this all night, Thomas, but the special teams aspect. Will Georgia kick the ball to Jalen Watt? If they do, I hope, I hope Scott Cochran is that stupid. If he kicks the ball to Jalen Waddle, we could see some electricity there. And if I'm Nick Saban, I might even put two safeties back there, put a guy like, uh, uh, you know, I think he's done that a little bit with Slade Bolden, so at least you'll get a return out of someone. And so I think the special teams, having Will Reichert healthy, I think for once Alabama can go toe-to-toe with Georgia at place kicker. Their, their kicking numbers are very good once again. But I think Alabama can ha, has their place kicking solved. And so I think the special teams could have some hidden advantages, probably for Alabama, because I don't, you know, Kyrus Jackson's a good returner, but he's not Jalen Waddell. And, you know, William made a, com- made, made a special mention at the beginning of our show that Jalen Waddell was a Heisman candidate. In games like this, people like 17 step up. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he and Devontae Smith both have big games. Mac Jones continues to play at a very high level because I'm going to tell you what, Alabama has every advantage in this game when you compare the offenses. They've got the better offensive line, the better receivers. I like their tight ends even better uh, with Miller Forstall and, 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 uh, and, 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 and uh, of course, uh, Carl uh, Tucker from uh, North Carolina blocking. So I like Alabama's skill guys a lot better than I do Georgia's running backs as well. Brian Robinson and, uh, and Najee Harris a lot more than Kyrus, uh, than, excuse me, than uh, Zeus White, Zamir White, and uh, Kenny McIntosh. So I think Alabama, when you compare the two offenses, they're better at every position than Georgia. And then defensively, you'd have to say just about all the matchups favor the dogs. But I will say, I think if Joe keeps playing at the level he is and certain, that's nearly a push. The safeties are definitely with a count back in favor of Georgia. The linebackers right now, after that Ole Miss game, you got to say they're, they're Georgia's and the defensive line. But if Alabama can play their best game of the season defensively, I think it's going to be good enough to slow down the Georgia offense and for Alabama to win the game 35-27. to 27. Well, so – Something that we've hit on, and I want to hit on one more time before I give my score prediction, Drew. The thing that most upset me about Ole Miss, and we've, we've, of all of us have said this to a certain extent, was the lack of effort and the lack of fundamentals from the Alabama defense. Now, you can throw – I said this on Twitter, and it's, it's kind of started a small furor, but you can throw whatever explanation you want at that circumstance – coaching, players checked out, players not very good, the price of tea in China. I don't really care what it is. I think when you talk about the Ole Miss game, 
there's plenty of blame to go around. And there's enough brain power in that building in Tuscaloosa that folks know what they need to do to get it right. So for me, talking about the Alabama defense, even if Alabama gives up some stuff, which they're going to do, if I see a lot of effort and I see good fundamentals for multiple players that struggled last week, I'm okay with it. It's progress. Because as, as hyped as we are about this game, there's a – I think there's a decent chance we see this game a do-over in December. So I, I don't – you know, I think this one's going to end up being hyped up but not matter in like three months. So, well, so, I, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Finish. No, no, no. Go ahead and finish. So, so, go ahead, man. So uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see the defense take a step forward. The offense is already there. Having said that, because of some of the intangibles with the, that, that I taught that we spoke about, I have Alabama winning, and I think Alabama's going to win uh, 42-24. I, I really – it was eye-opening that Jarrett Garantano was able to get two blow-over-the-top-of-the-Georgia-defense touchdowns. Now, they were great plays by Palmer, the, wide, the, the UT wide receiver, but if a UT wide receiver can do it, you can bet your bottom dollar that, you know, schematically and just pure speed-wise, the Alabama wide receiver group can do it. And something we didn't even bring up, Drew, is how great has Steve Sarkeesian been through three games? He's still in Tuscaloosa. That could be an interesting X factor. But I've got 42-24. I feel like this is – if Styles make fights, this is a bad matchup for Georgia. I hope I'm right. We'll know pretty quick if the fundamentals haven't improved in a week. Yes, we will. And you make a great point there. I, you know, I, I think this Alabama team, this is about pride. You know, I was kind of bothered by something DJ Dale said today. You know, I know the players try to, uh, they, they, you definitely don't want to come out and, and just uh, say that you didn't hustle and you didn't play hard, you didn't play well. I mean, he said Ole Miss had a great offense, but I think the biggest thing for us is we play with great effort, we play with great toughness. But as a whole, I just think we need to play smarter. That's not what this is about, man, because they didn't play with enough toughness. Even though I will say I thought they held up under 86 plays better than usual. Uh, that's a credit to David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray. But they, at times they didn't play with great effort. That's why they didn't get off the field. But they do definitely have to play smarter. But this is what this is about. In Georgia is hungry for, and they're out for blood. They're coming in to whip your ass and physically manhandle you. They want to try to take your manhood on national TV. They're going to challenge you up front offensively and defensively. I mean, this is like oh, the old school LSU game. Are you going to be man enough to strike somebody up front? All 11 guys offensively and defensively doing your individual job. Do not worry about being a hero. Just do your job. Play your gap. And if you do that, you've got a chance to win. Play team football. Don't be worried about the NFL draft and how many scouts are watching. If you want to go back to the college football playoff, if you want to make a statement, and if you want to whip somebody's ass that thinks he's coming in here to stop 21-0, and 0, well, then you've got to be ready to play. Everybody has to have the right mindset and have their mind right and be ready to go. If you're not ready to go and you're not ready for this game, I don't know why you play. So, to me – that's what they've got to be ready to do. Alabama's got to be ready to play. They, they ought to know what Kirby Smart's done behind the scenes, especially this coaching staff. They need to be ready to go 
and they need to make a statement inside Bryant Denny State. The last time Georgia came to Bryant Denny when Nick Saban got to Alabama, they won a tough, hard-nosed football game in overtime. Well, this is going to be another tough game, and a lot of people are picking Alabama to lose this game because of the simple fact of the way they looked defensively last week. Well, I think they've got an elite offense. We saw LSU find a way to improve defensively enough to support their offense and win a national championship and go 15-0 and last, last season. Alabama's got the opportunity to do the same thing. How good do you want to be? How do you want to be remembered? Do you want, do you want to be the team that, that, that the streak ended against? I wouldn't think so. And I would think that, you know, this would be a demoralizing loss for Georgia. They've been waiting for this opportunity. So now, to me, Alabama's got to, you know, make a statement on offense, continue to play at a very high level with three Heisman Trophy candidates, really four in my opinion, when you think of Jalen Waller, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris. Show them what elite offense is and then prove that Georgia's defense, while it's elite, Right now, this is an offensive game. Come out, make a statement, and if you're Alabama defensively, look, we're not expecting you uh, to be the 2009 defense, the 2011 defense, or the 2012, even 2015. But show some pride, hit somebody in the mouth, and win the game. That's what it comes down to, and that's what I think Alabama is going to do. They're going to make a statement, and they're going to send Kirby Smart home with a whipped ass. Do I have any eligibility left? I'm ready to go right now, and the game's still, you know, three days away. <laughs> so what do you have? You have a final score, 35-27, Drew? 35-27, to 27, University of Alabama. I think they're going to make a statement. I think they're going to find a way to generate 100-plus rushing yards. I see Mac Jones throwing for 300 and, and, and two or three touchdowns, and I see the Crimson Tide being able to run the ball in the red zone. And then uh, this is another key thing. I've got 27. So I think Alabama is going to make Georgia kick a couple of field goals, which is going to be huge because I think that's another thing. Jeremy Bridge defense is when they were simplified, did a lot. You have to condense everything in the red area and not give up touchdowns. And I think Alabama can do that. Well, I'll, I'll take either of our scores, either 42, 24 for me, which I know is a huge score. And, uh, I, I, I'll have the hot sauce for the crow, but I, I won't need it this go around. And 35-27 for you, Drew. So that is, uh, I have to say, on your uh, on your final breakdown, I think it's time to get out of here. Thanks for the time this evening. Yeah, it's been great. You know, I think uh, William picked 35-24. You know, we've got, uh, you picked 42-24. I think that everybody's expecting Alabama to come out and make a statement. And I think this is still the most talented team in the country. No disrespect to Clemson, but there's a lot of football to be played before they get a shot at those guys. But if you want to get there, Georgia's in the way. This may be the first of two meetings because we've already seen the Gators stumble. So we'll see. But if you're Alabama, you can help Florida out a lot by kicking Georgia's rear ends inside Bryant-Denning Stadium. You know, there's a lot of hype being thrown at this Georgia team, especially this defense. They're acting like they're impenetrable. If I'm Alabama, I'm making a statement on Saturday that you don't tug on Superman's cape and that, you you know, you want to be good, but there's a, a difference between wanting to be good and being good. And I think and being the man, it's all about it's all about Ric Flair. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And, you know, to me, you got uh, Kirby Smart's 0-2 in the count. and He needs to be 0-3 after Saturday night. Well, sounds good to me. <laughs> Why don't you take well, us out of here? 
Absolutely. I want to thank everyone for listening. We, uh, we enjoy everyone's feedback. We thank you for being patient with us. We came a little later in the week once again. Probably a good thing because we found out a little bit more about this matchup. We've broken it down a little bit better for you. We hope we've covered everything. We want to thank William Redfish Barger for joining us earlier tonight. I want to thank Thomas Watts for the production and also his keen insights and, uh, and, and tidbits that he gave us tonight, which I thought was great stuff. And, of course, I'm Drew Yarman. I'm very passionate about Alabama football, and I love all the support. And I want to thank everybody. Good night and roll tide. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.